Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. So this morning we are going to be in Romans 12, and we're just going to jump right in. So I would invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans 12. And kids, we are excited that you're in here with us. So I would invite you to like color or write. If you hear something that like sticks out to you, you can write it down or draw a picture of it. Um, We're glad that you're in here. And parents, I know that sometimes when it's like your own kid, the grace is lesser than for the others. So there's enough grace in the room for all the people. So the noises are fine. Okay, we're going to be in Romans 12, just verses 1 and 2. So I'm going to read it for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we start off with the word, therefore. And I don't know where I heard this first. Some, probably some teachers growing up in my church. But when you see the word, therefore, you ask, what's it there for, right? So it always is a way to call you to what was just being said, what was just being written invites you to look at the context. So to start, the book of Romans is a letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. And Romans 1 through 11 is like his clear presentation of the gospel. And then starting in Romans 12 is when Paul starts talking about the implications of that on daily life. So what does that actually mean for us? How do we live this out? What is our response to that? So what Paul is going to tell us in chapter 12 is what comes after the presentation of the gospel. And this is important because the instructions that he says in chapter 12 are not the starting place. They are the place of response. And if you were here a few weeks ago, Esther preached, and she said, don't get it backwards. And this applies here. Don't get this backwards. The gospel was first, and now we have a response. God initiated something, and now we respond to what he initiated. And so I don't feel like we can move on in chapter 12 without actually looking at what is the gospel. The gospel is the good news. 
The gospel is God's rescue plan for you and for me. And it's not something that we graduate from. And we don't just know it and then move on. That's not part one and then there's part two, three, four. That's the whole thing. The whole thing is the gospel. So if you're here and you've heard it a thousand times, I would just invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, show me something new, reveal something new. We are never done with the gospel. And if we're tired of it, and if we're like, I know it, I get it, I know the theology, I know the, then I would say we have probably lost first love. We do not get tired of the gospel or hearing the gospel. And so I even just say, Holy Spirit, I ask that you come right now and just reveal it afresh in our hearts that we would wake up to the power of the gospel right now. We can never hear this too many times. So I'm going to actually start and just do a few snapshots of of what Paul is writing in chapters 1 through 11. Um, And I'm going to actually read them out of my New Living translation. So I would invite you to just listen. I'm going to go in order, but I'm going to kind of pop around. So I'm going to start in chapter 3, Romans 3, 23 through 26. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet in his grace, freely, yet God in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows us that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. The blood of Jesus makes us right in his sight. Chapter 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Romans 6, 4 through 8 says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. 
So we get to live a new life that is free from sin and free from the guilt of sin. Romans 8.11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The Spirit of God lives in us. When we, have, when we have been made aware of what God has initiated with the gospel and we receive it, then the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. This is not like another version of something. This is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And then in chapter 8 again, verses 38 and 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you cannot be separated from the love of God. So that's the gospel. And that's what Paul was writing, 1 through 11. That's what he was writing. And the thing about the gospel is that it keeps doing the work. Like you keep getting set free and you keep having new life and you keep having, you keep experiencing this transformation and this breakthrough. That's the power of the gospel. It's not this one-time thing. It keeps going and he keeps saving you and he keeps rescuing you. And he always has more for you to walk in. You have never gotten to the fullness of it. Like there's always more. There's more freedom, there's more hope, there's always more to walk in. And we cannot get this backwards because if we start thinking that actually what we're doing is the initiation, that we've actually started a conversation with God or we've actually done something, then we start to think that he actually owes us something. Well, God, I've, I've made good choices I wake up and I meet with you every morning. I've prayed about this thing every day. Why haven't you, whatever, fill in the blank. And what that is, is it's an entitled heart. And it's, it's, a, it's a posture of pride. So we cannot get it backwards. We have to know that the gospel was first. God is the initiator. And we are the responder. Always, in all things. He is the initiator. Um, there was a Sunday a few, I don't know, it's probably a couple months ago that I was leading goodness of God. And I was singing, from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. And I couldn't sing it. Um, 
I couldn't sing it because I was so overwhelmed in that moment with the fact that no matter how faithful or consistent I am or how excited I am to meet with the Lord every morning, he is always more faithful than that. Like he has been waiting and ready before I was. He is there waiting to meet with me every morning. He initiates every morning with me. He is the initiator always. He drew me to him. And he started the conversation with me. And I'm camping out here because I just, we can't talk about offering our bodies as a living sacrifice if we're not in the heart posture already that he has done all of this. He has initiated all of this. Why would we give our whole selves to something when we don't know what the thing is? This is what the thing is. It's the gospel. God is the initiator and we are the responder. So Paul writes, therefore, and then later on he says, in view of God's mercy. And to me that it feels like he just went through chapters 1 through 11 and he underlined it. And then he went back and then he highlighted it. Therefore, in view of God's mercy. And so what is mercy? We say mercy a lot. This is a normal word that we say. Mercy is God having compassion and forgiveness towards us when it is within his power. It was within his power to punish us. Mercy is God sending his son to take our place, to receive the full punishment so that we did not have to. What we actually deserve is death. But God had mercy on us. One commentary said, God does not just do merciful things sometimes, nor does he have a merciful side to his character as a human being might have. On the contrary, he is always and everywhere and at all times merciful. Everything he does is an expression of his mercy and of all of his other attributes too, all at once. All of his attributes are eternally in action. We live in view of God's mercy. And the place, the place that we live from matters because if we live a life from a place of awareness of God's mercy, that's going to be a different kind of life than if we are living from a different reality. And I want you to think of this idea of in view of like a backdrop. So in the world of theater or musicals, the backdrop is what sets the scene. You show up and you know what you're about to see because you see the backdrop. If you go to Wizard of Oz, you might see the Emerald City and the Yellow Brick Road. You know you're going to see the Wizard of Oz. So Duke, Nova, and Veda, if you guys can come help me real fast. I want you to have this picture in your head. Here they are right there. These are my children, Duke, Nova, and Veda. So the setting of your life is mercy. Can you do it? Can you hold it up? 
they can see. This is the setting. This is the backdrop. And so no matter where I go, this is the backdrop. So here I go and I live my life. This is still my backdrop. And I go over here in view of God's mercy. Everything in my life in view of God's mercy. And so everything that I have, my husband, my kids, the fact that I'm breathing right now, my home, it's all because of God's mercy. What I actually deserve is death. And because of God's mercy, this is, this is the place that I live from. And there is no other response other than gratitude. There's no other response. Gratitude is the response to living a life in view of God's mercy. Okay, you guys can go sit down. Thank you. They made those signs and decorated them and everything all by themselves. So therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And this word offer, it's like to present, to present yourself, to be at God's disposal. It's like the John Wimber quote that I've heard Brock mention before, that he said, I am just change in God's pocket. He can spend me any way he chooses. And this word bodies, it's a way of talking about our whole self, like our physical bodies, but also what is contained within our bodies, our minds and our hearts too. He wants our whole self. And this isn't necessarily about like the things that we do for him. It's not really about our tasks because it is possible to give him lots of tasks and works and not actually give him any of this. It's the idea of like being with somebody, being with your spouse, being with a friend, being with them versus like doing, doing something for them, but not actually being with them. And God wants to be with us. He wants our whole self body, mind, and heart. And offering our full selves to God, it's like a life that is marked by surrender and by repentance and confession and obedience, humility, thanksgiving. That's what that life looks like. This is your true and proper worship. So true worship is offering our whole selves to God. And so what we do here corporately is one thing, one way that we worship together. And it's very important and very crucial that we make this a priority here. And the way that we live our lives and the fact that we give our whole selves to God is our true act of worship. It's a way of saying like, God, I'm not in charge. You're in charge. Use me how you want to. And I love the King James Version. It says, which is your reasonable service. I love that wording. It's just very logical. Based on all of this, this is your reasonable service. This is reasonable. So if we don't think it's reasonable, then we need to go back here and look at that again. 
This is the thing that makes sense to do based on what God has already done, what God has already initiated. Verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we have these two opposing things happening. We have conform to the world. So conforming to behaviors and ways of the world, customs of the current age. And then being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And he didn't say, by the renewing of your behavior. And he didn't say, by the renewing of how you feel. He didn't say, by doing all the good right things or by feeling all the good, positive, right ways. That's not how we are renewed. We are renewed by our minds. Which means that as believers, we walk through life always asking the question, what is true here? What's true? What does God's word say about X, Y, Z? What is true? What is true? That is the question. Now, it's not that what do I want to do about this and what do I feel about this aren't good, important questions too. But there's something we need to get here with what is true. One commentary said, the battleground between conforming to the world and being transformed is within the mind of the believer. Christians must think differently. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. The New Living Translation says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So we're made up of mind and body and heart. And all three of those things are important and they're important for how we make our way through the world. And the purpose of the mind is to help us perceive reality. It helps us make sense of things. We analyze data. We take in information. Um, that's the purpose of our mind. And so it's very important what we're filling our mind with. And it's important that we're serious about examining what we're putting in our minds. What are we dwelling on? What are we meditating on? What are we worrying about? What are we overthinking about? Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I had a moment uh, about a month ago where I was like, I was almost like, am I depressed? What is this? I, I was not feeling like myself. It didn't feel normal. And looking back, I think there were a few factors, but one of the factors was what was happening here. I um, have just recently almost completed just a temporary fill-in part-time position as an elementary music teacher for a school. And doing that part-time work 
with this part-time work here, with my kids at home, was a lot. And I was feeling it. And what was happening in this time that I was feeling not like myself was that I realized all I was doing was rehearsing Okay, how many more lesson plans do I need to write for this week? Okay, well, how am I going to teach that concept? Okay, and then how am I going to deal with that one behavior problem that I keep having? And, that, and I was just doing this. And not just while I was doing the job, but outside of the job. And so what that did was, is it just sucked the life out of me. And so it's not even like, oh, you have to be thinking of bad things, quote unquote, bad things. But any time that we're thinking about anything else more than we are thinking about God or in conversation with God, we will get the life and the joy sucked out of us. And I think so often we try to solve that with something else, but it's actually just, what are you thinking about? What are you going like? What is the hamster wheel that's going in your head? Are you thinking about how you're feeling all the time? Oh, I'm really tired today. Yeah, I'm really tired. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm busy. I mean, that will make you busy and tired. If you think about being busy and tired all the time, what are you thinking about? What are you putting in your mind? And this is no small thing to have your mind renewed. The renewing of your mind, the word renewed is like renovation. And if you've experienced a home renovation, then you know that that is no small thing. It's very disruptive. It's a whole process. It usually takes longer than you thought it would. But the end is that there is this new space. Oftentimes there's like new paint on the walls and there's there's new furniture. Sometimes there's a whole new function to the actual room. And this is the same. So renewing of the mind is not like getting rid of bad stuff. It's replacing. It's what are you filling? What are you putting in? We aren't just getting rid of. So we have to have things to replace. And there are things like scripture memory, saying the Jesus prayer, journaling. There are ways that we can engage in this looking outside of ourselves, fasting from certain content, looking at what you're ingesting and saying, I'm going to take a break from that. So we're going to end with this. Paul ends the verse. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. Did you know that? God's will for you, and I would love to say all of your names, I wish I could, is good, pleasing, and perfect. And his definition of perfect is a little bit different than mine. Perfect is like finished or complete or full grown or full maturity. My idea of perfect is like, oh, I'm going to be perfect and make perfect good choices. No, he's the finisher. He's the completer. He's going to bring it to completion. It's about him. 
he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He is the author and he is the finisher. He is the initiator. We are the responder. He will finish the work. He has finished the work and he will finish, finish the work. One day when Jesus comes back and all things are made new. But we can rest in that. All we have is response. And so I would invite you, as we close, to ask God, how do you want me to respond today? There isn't really a reason to come into this room on Sunday if we're not going to respond to something. Otherwise, it is checking a box. What are we responding to? What is the invitation to you? And I think that there are some in this room that the invitation is to come and receive Jesus for the first time, to respond to the gospel for the first time. There is an invitation for you. I think, if there, I think there's an invitation for repentance. If you know that your heart has been in a posture and a place of pride or entitlement, living from a place that God would owe you something, then I invite you to repent. And if your mind, you know it needs renewing, come and repent and receive fresh things from the Lord. And so the band, you guys can come up and the and ministry team, I'd love for you to.